We are continuing in our standout series this morning. And uh, last week we started this series. And we talked about a uh, young man called Gideon who basically stood out in his home and he stood out against what was wrong in his home. And uh, he saw his uh, nation find peace and, uh, uh, and, and find uh, freedom from oppression. And uh, so today we're going to continue in this series, this standout series, um, and we're going to talk about fire today. Um, so uh, for those of you who like to uh, uh, maybe like have a bonfire um, on these nice summer nights, and uh, I'm not so, uh, uh, so much of a fan of doing them on the summer nights, I like doing them on the fall nights, but I know some people like to do it on a fall night. And what, what's better uh, at a bonfire than to uh, basically have some s'mores, right? Who likes s'mores? Anyone? like s'mores in the room you know who likes to just eat marshmallows just period anyway like okay we can see the sugar people amongst us this morning so uh the great thing about a bonfire is you can sit around a bonfire and it's kind of got this great feeling this nice cozy feeling it brings heat when it's cold and it's kind of relaxing uh and that's what fire can do because fire has the ability to heat up when you are cold. Fire has the ability to cook, right? I'm thankful for fire because we can actually cook food. I don't know how some of these people do it who just eat raw food all the time. And, uh, you know, more power to them. But I don't have the power that they do. I need my food heated up. And so I'm thankful for fire because it heats up delicious food. Um, this morning I was uh, just talking to Josh and we were talking about uh, just everybody in our church feels seems like they're on the keto diet. So I don't know what to do for communion anymore because I don't know what is in people's diets, whether it's gluten-free or keto. And in the end, we says, well, we should just have bacon for communion. But then I realized, you know, well, bacon is uh, in the Jewish, uh, in the Jewish uh, uh, culture, bacon is an unclean animal. So that wouldn't be very good. So then we were like, well, we need lamb. So we need to have lamb for communion. But we need to heat it up and cook it. Um, Anyway, so, so that's what fire can do. Fire can heat up, fire can cook. Fire can also burn as well. I don't know about you if you've ever received a burn, but fire can burn. And when you receive a burn, it, it's not very pleasant as well. But fire also refines as well. And so it can take out the, the unclean things in a product and just leave the clean things it refines. And so... Uh, this is what fire can do. Well, let, let, let me just show you what, what fire can do. So, so we have a marshmallow right here. We've got six marshmallows, and, uh, uh, and, and they just look nice and, and, and white and fluffy. Um, they, they actually look like they've got steroids in them, because I don't think I've ever seen marshmallows this big. But this is, uh, this is what uh, fire can do. So fire can take a, a, a white marshmallow, and, and it can burn it, and then suddenly it catches on fire and it starts changing the color of the marshmallow. It starts changing the shape of the marshmallow. And in a moment, if you are to eat it, then it's going to change the actual look of the marshmallow. It even changes the smell of the marshmallow because I'm getting a whole lot of marshmallow smell right now. So let's blow the fire out. And we've got a different kind of marshmallow. It has changed the marshmallow. See, this is what fire is. And for the scientists amongst us this morning, 
And if I'm wrong, then James Bartholomew, just, just tell me because he's the scientist here. But fire is a chemical reaction between a fuel and a compound of oxygen. So right here, I've got this little blowtorch thing that you use for cooking. Uh, and in there, uh, there, there's some fuel in here. Uh, and, and then the fuel and the air together doesn't do anything. What it needs, it needs a chemical reaction. It needs something to react together. So I've got a button here. I press this button. As soon as I press the button, a chemical reaction happens, and the oxygen and the fuel get together, and we get fire. And that's how fire is created. Temperatures gradually rise after combustion, and flames occur when the temperature reaches the point for the fuel to vaporize and combine with the oxygen. Now, let me just uh, blow your mind with some of the temperatures here. How many of you think it's too hot when it's 80 degrees outside? Anyone? Most people like it. What about 90 degrees? It's just too hot for you. Okay, most of you. What about the hundreds, right? Anyone want to live in Phoenix? No, I mean, maybe, yeah. Who wants to live in Florida? I don't know about that either. But all we know, it gets 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Suddenly, we are complaining like it was minus 20 degrees in the winter. We complain just as much. Well, when temperatures reach about 932 degrees Fahrenheit, it produces a red glow. So think of that bonfire at the end of the night where it was just glowing. 932 Fahrenheit. When temperatures get between 1,112 Fahrenheit and 1,832 degrees Fahrenheit, you start to see red flames, right? Then the flames turn orange between 1,832 Fahrenheit and 2,192 degrees Fahrenheit. Like these numbers are like mind-boggling. Then it turns yellow, the flame, between 2,192 degrees Fahrenheit and 2,552 degrees Fahrenheit. I want to know who actually tested this stuff and came up with it because it's kind of like to the detail. And then at hotter temperatures than that, the flame color moves from uh, into a blue-violet end of the visible spectrum. So let's take a look at our flame here this morning. we got kind of like a blue kind of flame. This is what I know. If I come up to you and put this on your arm, like I do a marshmallow, your arm is going to suddenly look like this marshmallow, and it's going to be totally wrong. Let's blow that out again. That's what fire does. Fire has the ability to change a situation. Fire has the ability to destroy a situation. Fire has the ability to refine a situation. This is all I know. If you see fire, it is hot. You don't go tell your kids, if you see the blue flame, don't touch it. But if you see the red flame, that's fine. You can touch it. You don't say that to kids because fire is hot. This is what mama always used to say. Mama says, don't play with fire or you're going to get burned, right? Don't get with fire or you will get burned. And the truth is that fire is dangerous and it is powerful. So what happens in our lives when we go through fire in our lives? Or the fire comes against us in our lives, not a literal flame like that, but the fire of life, 
the trials and the tribulations and the troubles of life and it seems like life is suddenly getting hotter. It feels like it was once 70 degrees in our life and suddenly it's got 85, 90, 95, now it's 100 degrees with humidity and life starts to become unbearable. What happens in your life when fire comes and destroys things in your life? What happens in your life when fire comes and changes things in your life? What happens when the fire comes in your life? Can you sustain your life? And so this morning, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to ponder this question as we talk through uh, what we're going to talk through today. And this question is this. Do you have the belief to trust in God even when we go through the fire of life? Do you have the belief to trust in God even when we go through the fire of life? So say this is your life right now. And everything is great. The, the, the marriage is great. The, 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 the bank statement looks good. The career is good. The kids are even behaving themselves. And then suddenly something comes along and fire comes into your life. And then suddenly, your life isn't as perfect anymore. Do you trust God or do you have enough trust in God to believe in God even when we go through the fires of life? So we're going to look at a story in the Bible this morning that's found in the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 3. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Daniel chapter 3. If not, uh, the words will be on the screen. I'm going to start reading at verse 1, and this is what it says. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up uh, on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bow to the ground and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. 
So the great king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, and after service, we're going to have a spelling test, and you're going to spell Nebuchadnezzar, right? The great king Nebuchadnezzar. He is the powerful king of the Babylon Empire, which at the time was the most powerful empire in the world. Now, kings of empires back in these days were looked upon as gods, and people thought they were gods sent from heaven. And so they were seen as people who who were to be worshipped, to be adored, to be glorified. And King Nebuchadnezzar embraced this. And for King Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted people not only to worship him, but worship the empire of Babylon. So he set up this huge statue to worship the gods of Babylon and to worship the empire and to worship him. And he said, if anyone does not bow down when we tell them to bow down, then we will throw them into a blazing furnace. This is what he's saying. We are going to cremate them while they are still alive basically. The punishment for not showing your allegiance to the king and the empire. Now, before we get into all the stuff that I want us to talk about today, just reading through that story, uh, Daniel 3, 1 to 12, there's some things I just want to throw out there that really don't have that much to do with what we're going to talk about today, but they're just good things to take a look at while we're going through it. And the first one is this, Forced religion is always unhealthy religion. If you are forced to do something, otherwise there are consequences, that is unhealthy religion. If you ever go to a church or partake in something where people are forcing you to do it, that ain't right. That's unhealthy. The second thing we see, I, I see here is this. When leaders threaten people into religious acts, that is borderline being a cult. And cults are always life-taking, never life-giving. If leaders threaten you to do a religious act, otherwise there are consequences, that's a borderline cult. I don't care if it comes in the name of Christianity or not, it's a borderline cult. Because cults are always life-taking, not life-giving. But this is what I know about following Jesus. It is always life-giving. Jesus says, I have come to give life. And so following Jesus is all about gaining life and receiving life. This is also what we see from this little story here. There's three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were told that they were leaders in, pro- in, in some of the provinces of Babylon. But they were Jewish men, which is amazing because the Jewish people in Babylon were slaves. And so these men had gone from slaves to become leaders in their society. In fact, Daniel chapter 1 talks all about it. And this is what it says in Daniel chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, There was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ariziah, who were four of the young men chosen from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Ariziah was called Abednego. I always remember when I was a kid, we used to say, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go, right? And I'll try not to say that this morning. 
And then verses 17 to 20, it says this. When the training period ordered by the king was complete, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ariziah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom, and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the musicians and enchanters of his entire kingdom. So here we've got these young men, these three young men, well four of them including Daniel, but in this story we've got three young men who have risen up the ranks of the Babylonian empire even though they came in as slaves. And there's five things I'm going to share with you today that, that, that's going to show how these men stood out in their nation, stood out from all the others around them. And in these five things, this is the first thing I want to share with you today, is this. When you stand to honor God, God will always honor you. When you stand to God, honor God, God will always honor you. And these men, they stood out in honor to God. In fact, the story talks about them not eating of the food that the, that the, other, uh, the, the other people around them ate and not eating of the king's food because it, they felt it was disrespectful to the God of Abraham, the God of uh, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so they, they honored God in all that they did. And as they honored God, we see that God started to honor them. It says God gave them wisdom, wisdom beyond their years. These three men had an understanding. And they understood something that those who believe in God and those who follow Jesus have to understand. And this is what they understood. When you make decisions in your life based on always honoring God then God will always honor you in return, even when those decisions can result in pain and hardship. Whenever we make decisions to honor God, God always honors to us. But this is also what we have to know. When we make decisions based on what is easiest and most comfortable for us, then we will never stand out from the rest and we will often find that we will lose what we value most in life. These men had not let their lives be compromised by the culture around them. And the result that was that God took them from immigrant slave to high-ranking official. God honored them. But as we're going to read through this story, we're going to find something else. We're going to find this. That when you stand by your values, do not be afraid when others try to devalue what you value. Let's continue reading this story. Daniel 3 verse 13. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him when they were brought in. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God, uh, then 
what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God in whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. These three men were brought before Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace and you will be consumed and there is not a God on this earth that will be able to save you. And they stood up to him and they said, we will not. We will not bow down. And God will protect us and God will save us. And if he doesn't, we still won't compromise what we believe in our faith in God. See, these three men, they lived in a culture that was anti-God and pro-idol worship. It was a culture that always tried to suppress and squash their faith in God. And we live in a culture like that today where our culture is trying to suppress and squash our faith in God. And notice here that Nebuchadnezzar tried to devalue the power of God. He said, there is not a God that will be able to save you from this. And this is what often a culture like the Babylonian culture and often a culture like we live in today, and this is what they say. If you go through the fire... If you go through problems and situations in your life, if life gets hot, God will not be able to save you. God will not be able to protect you. And this is what our culture tells us at times. It tells us that living a godly and holy life is insignificant to what this culture can provide for us. That's why people chase money. That's why people chase homes and careers. It's why we see, even in the United States, we see an epidemic that's happening from East Coast to West Coast in the church. And this is, the, this is what, it, and I hope I don't offend anybody with this this morning, but this is what we see. We see parents who value sports and activities over church and bringing their kids to church. Because culture tells them that it's more important for them to do this than do this. That's called living in the fire. When the culture is suppressing against us and trying to suppress and squash our values and our, and our belief in God. And as followers of Jesus, there is going to be pressure from the outside that devalues the way of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus means there will come a time in your life where you, what you value in Christ or your faith in Christ will even enrage others. Jesus said this in Mark 13, 13. He says, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. 
some harsh words right there. And we see an example here in this story. They stood up for God and they said, this is what we believe in God. And suddenly the culture was just coming against them. And Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to throw you in that furnace, in that fire. You will be in that fire and not a God in this world will be able to save you. And let's continue reading. This is the next point I wanted to mention. When you stand on God's promises, the fire is always a very real probability. Daniel 3.19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious. He was mad before, but now he's like beside himself. Was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. I don't even know how you do that. That's just like crazy. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. So they tied them and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. I kind of laugh when I hear this story. Because Nebuchadnezzar's face was distorted with rage. Have you ever come up against someone like that? Maybe your mother when you were younger, you know? But their face has suddenly changed and it's distorted with rage. Like they're not just mad, they're crazy mad, right? I mean, they're like, you're like, better get out the room, better get, you know, go, go to another city because they're going to hunt you down and they're going to like go crazy on you. And there are times in life when we go through trials and tribulations, when we go through issues in our life, where it feels like the face of the situation is getting distorted with rage. I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever dealt with a situation like that. You dealt with the fire, and the fire was a very real probability. And you started seeing the fire in the, in the distance, but suddenly as the fire got closer, suddenly it started to change and get distorted with rage. And this is what happened to these young boys. Nebuchadnezzar was coming at them. And sometimes we go through situations in life where it feels like everything is coming at us. Everything is against us. And the truth of it is this. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be different. We are called to be the light of the world. And the problem with being light is that the darkness hates the light. And those situations in your life that are dark, they hate the light. There are people in your life or there are people in this world that prosper in the darkness and they will do whatever it takes to prevent the light being shown. We live in a dark world. So a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with uh, some of the people here at, uh, at Generation Church and one, one of the small groups I found out play a game called Would You Rather? And, uh, and, 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 and it's a very religious and, uh, and, uh, and, and godly conversation they have. And this was one of the questions that was posed to me. I like to see that we do nice Bible study here at Generation Church. This was the question. 
Would you rather be in a zombie apocalypse or in a vampire apocalypse? I'm like, what a strange question, right? So I thought about it. And this was my answer. I actually gave an answer. I played the game, so. (laughs) My answer was, I'd rather be in a vampire apocalypse. And they were like, why? And this was my reasoning, because vampires don't like the dark. Vampires like the light, right? You just have to take care of yourself when it's dark, but in the light, then, then, then you're good, right? And so they don't like it when, it, when, it, when it's light out. And I feel at times we live in a world that's like a vampire world, where it's dark, and there are things in this world that are coming at you, and they're trying to suck the lifeblood of Christ out of you. And it could be a person, it could be a situation, it, it, it could be a trial that, that you are going through, it could be a, a bad situation that you are in, but it's, it's almost like a vampire trying to suck the lifeblood out of you. But Jesus said this, or sorry, Peter said this, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 6 to 7, he said this, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure through many trials for a while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to this world. This is what Peter's saying. That when you stand on faith in Christ, then there will come a time in your life when you may go through trials. You will go through the fire of life. But it's okay but it's okay because there is a day that is coming where Jesus Christ will be revealed to this world. To this world, For there is wonderful joy ahead. And if you are in the fire of life right now, I know it is almost like a vampire sucking the lifeblood out of you. But this is what I want you to know. There is joy ahead. There is joy ahead. It, your, that, that, that lifeblood that is being sucked out of you will not last. There is joy ahead. And this is what's happening. God is testing you and God is refining you and he is making you perfect and he's making you more holy and he's making you more like him. The next thing on this story I see is this. When you stand out in hope, God will be with you even in the fire. When you stand out in hope, God will be with you in the fire. Daniel 3 verse 24 tells us this. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out in the fire 
When the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched, they didn't even smell like smoke. If only I could not smell like smoke after going to a bonfire. That would be wonderful. This story here is an incredible story of God's protection. They were thrown in the furnace and suddenly four men appear. Many scholars believe it was Jesus who was in the fire with them. Others just say it was an angel. I'm not going to get into that debate today. But regardless, it doesn't really matter. What it shows us is that God was with them in the fire. Notice what happened. Nebuchadnezzar looked in. And suddenly he realizes it's not just a fourth person, but they are unbound. When they were thrown in the fire, they were bound, but they were unbound. And this is what Jesus does. And I love what Jesus does in our lives. Even when we go through the fire of life, we may feel in bondage. We may feel bound by that situation. But even while we go through it, Jesus comes and he unbinds us and he makes us free even in the fire. It shows us that God is always with us through the fire. Notice that God didn't show up beforehand. Like this fourth person didn't show up before they were thrown in. Hold on, guys. I'm God. Don't throw them in. I should be the one that you bow down to. It wasn't that. God let them go in the fire. Think about that theologically. That will like mess your mind up a little. But it was in the fire that God showed up. He gave them greater faith while life was getting hotter and hotter. Notice this. The men didn't just die. They weren't harmed. There wasn't even a burn on them. And I love this about the story. They came out. Not a hair on their hair was singed. Their clothes were unharmed, and they didn't smell like smoke. That's a miracle right there. And this is what I know. When you stand out in hope, in hope of God, God is with you in the fire, and God will protect you, and God will also protect those things that are closest to you as well. They didn't walk out naked because their clothes had burnt off. They walked out just as they had walked in. And I love this about God because God does this, and I've seen it time and time again, that when you step out in hope, in the hope that God is going to be with you, God protects you and he protects those closest to you. And so often, this is what I know about living a life of faith for the last 33 years that I've done. So often I can trust God for me, but I find it hard to trust God for others. Parents, we can trust God for us, but can we trust God that God will take care of our kids? Spouses, we can trust God for us, but can we trust God to take care of of our husband or our wife? I I can trust God even as a pastor. This is where I I, I, I struggle. I can trust God personally for our lives, 
I'll be honest, it's really hard at times to trust God for the church. Because I don't have control over those situations. But this is what this tells me, that when we step out in hope of God, God is with us through the fire and God takes care of us and the things closest to us. And as we finish, finally, when you stand in faith, God is always glorified. When you go through the fire and you stand out in hope and you stand in faith, God is always glorified. Daniel 3.28, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb. He's still got this cultish kind of feeling about him, but he's getting there. He says, their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. See, when we look at this story, we think so often of the men in the fire. And how God just protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so often when we go through the fires of life and we start to see the fire in our lives, all we think about is God protect me, God protect me, God protect me. And while the fire is burning, God protect me, God help me. But notice something else what was happening here. I said that was a theological mind boggle, why God allowed them in the fire. But the most important thing about this story isn't that the men were in the fire and God protected them and God brought them out of the fire. The most important part of this story is found in Daniel 3.28. Nebuchadnezzar said, wow. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saved them from the fire. We are going to now glorify this God. And anyone who doesn't, there's going to be some issues that's going to go on. God was glorified, and maybe in the fire in your life, you're going through that fire. Maybe God is refining you. Maybe God is, is changing you and molding you. Maybe there's some things in your life that need to die so Christ can raise. Or maybe God is taking you through the fire so that his name can be glorified. Notice here, Nebuchadnezzar came out of the dark and saw the light. These men were shining a light for the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And they were in a dark place in Babylon. But suddenly, even though the darkness wanted to squash the light, the lights rose. And now Babylon wasn't such a dark place anymore. And then notice also what happened. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted. This is what I know. When you honor God, God honors you. We started with what, when you honor God, God honors you. These men, what God honoring people, God honored them. Here, God honored them even more. See, when you make a choice and stand in faith, people will see Jesus. When you make a choice and stand in faith, God will not let you down. This story is such an amazing story of bravery and faith. It begins with three men understanding that no matter what life throws at us, our first look is always has to always be towards God and pleasing Him. When we're making decisions in life, am I honoring God? Am I pleasing God? And this story ends with a nation and a king turning towards God. So are you going through the fire of life today? Are you going through some sort of situation that you feel is burning you? Or a situation that, that it's just getting harder and harder and you don't have room to breathe. Life's getting more uncomfortable. Are you going through the fire? If so, you can trust that God is with you. He's standing beside you even in the fire. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. And then we're going to take communion while we sing that song about the fire. But you may say, well, it's all very well and good. That story was a good story for centuries ago. But Alex, there ain't no kings telling us to bow down to statues anymore. There isn't any fiery furnaces that we're going to be in anymore. Life's different. We have something called human rights. Well, I want to bring some life application to that for you today. Because the fire doesn't have to mean a literal fire. The fire could be anything that you are going through in life that is causing life to become uncomfortable for you. And so as a life application, so you can understand a little bit more about what it means to go through the fire, we've got a video that I want to I show you. And, and, and this video shows us what happens when somebody goes through the fire. Take a look at this video.